You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, what do we know about Rochester's new mayor, Malik Evans? Even as a college student, was really, really good at listening to other students and taking other students seriously. And an opera at the Eastman School of Music draws audiences into the weird world of mythological sirens. What is it to be a siren? What is this existence? And so we get to witness this ritual. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at ROCVOX.com. Rochester officially elected its new mayor, Malik Evans. His win has essentially been a foregone conclusion since he won the Democratic primary in June against incumbent Mayor Lovely Warren. He ran unopposed in the general election. Here he is talking to a gaggle of reporters on Tuesday after casting his ballot. Um, well, the future I, I envision is um, one where we build a bridge to the future of, of Rochester, that we really try to take Rochester to the next level, where we are proud to say that we accomplish great things in Rochester, that violence is um, something that is in the rearview mirror, and that we have a, a city where um, my kids, uh, who are my son, who I brought to vote today, um, are proud of. That's, that's the future of Rochester, where all of us um, are lifted up and that we are able to um, show the rest of the country that Rochester knows how to get, get, get it done. But besides his stump speech, his talk of building bridges, his ideas about how to reduce violence in the city, what do we know about 41-year-old Malik Evans? My colleague Gino Finelli with City Magazine talked to Evans and the people around him for weeks before the election to get a better sense of who the next mayor of Rochester is. He has this story. Here's the thing about Malik Evans. He doesn't really love to talk about himself, which is surprising for a politician. I want to run down that this is a profile on you. Oh, God. Before I even met up with him at his campaign headquarters downtown, his spokesperson called to ask if I could avoid asking him too much about his personal life. For a profile? Of course not. For the most part, the issues Evans will face when he takes office early next year are well documented. To understand why Evans got into the political game in the first place, and to get a clue of what kind of mayor he's going to be, you have to start with his personal life, going all the way back to his parents. I'd be lying if I said that I'd be where I am without my parents. I mean, they they were my first teachers. Evans is one of six children. They grew up in a blue two-story home on Hamilton Street in the South Wedge. He says he was a typical kid of the 80s and 90s, playing basketball and video games. But the Evans house wasn't like every other house in the neighborhood. And his house would just be full of all these young people learning all about their history, their culture, uh, and exactly how important education was. That's Nancy Johns Price. She's a longtime friend of the Evans family. The house on Hamilton Street doubled as a church of sorts, a church of something called duology. Duology is a faith that Evans' father had created as a teenager. It's based on the premise that doing something to improve the problems in your community was better than sitting around and complaining about them. 
And that principle of taking action to make a change is a theme that runs through the lives of both Evans and his father. My father was the most righteous man I've ever met. The Reverend Lawrence Lee Evans Sr. went by the title Minister. He lectured on black history, organized rallies against racial discrimination, he ran a program for high school dropouts through the Rochester City School District, and later retired from Rochester General Hospital as a case manager for homeless people. He ran for office, unsuccessfully, on at least two occasions before Evans was born. My father had a lot more patience than I did. I'm very, I'm very impatient. Not in a bad way, but I, I think that we can move things along faster. I mean, even in, even in just my, the way I organized the campaign in my life. If Minister Evans infected his son with the political bug, he and his wife, Gwendolyn, also instilled in their son the sense that life is short. His mother died in 2012 at the age of 65. Lawrence died six years later, also of cancer. He was 72. And they, they really uh, were just great parents. And, and, I, and that's not lost on me, right? Not everyone has a Gwen and Lawrence Evans. No one believes me more than my mother and father. Whatever secret formula the Evans used to inspire their kids, it worked. From the time he was a teenager, Malik Evans was involved in public advocacy. At 16, he helped found the City County Youth Advisory Council. At 17, he got involved in Teen Court, a program where teenagers act as lawyers and jurors in mock trials of convicted youth offenders. The program was set up by then City Court Judge Frank Jirachi Jr. Yeah, Malik, you know, bought into the whole thing. I mean, he was just, he had, had great ideas, he was very creative and very caring with these teens. You can picture a young Malik Evans wearing a suit to teen court, litigating cases, and working with people his age who got off track to get them involved in community service or counseling programs. Now fast forward to college. He's at the University of Rochester, setting a course for a career in finance and politics, leading Kwanzaa celebrations, tutoring students, taking part in demonstrations to preserve the Frederick Douglass Institute for African and African American Studies. Gerald Gamm was his former political science professor. Malik, even as a college student, was really, really good at listening to other students and taking other students seriously and not talking over other people. I want to pause here for a moment to talk about something. As a journalist researching and writing about the next mayor of Rochester, I really try to dig up dirt on Malik Evans. But it's hard. Throughout his life, Evans has been seen as an advocate and an achiever voted most likely to succeed in high school, and later becoming the youngest commissioner in history on the Rochester Board of Education. In fact, the closest you can get to a bad review of Evans is during his time on the school board. The school district was cycling through superintendents, grappling with budget deficits, limping from crisis to crisis, and student achievement stagnated. But, I mean, the challenges that the district faced were 50 years in the making, even when I got there. I mean, you had declining enrollment, you had... High, high levels of poverty, um, and then you had just a, just a belief that some folks believe that, oh, these kids can't do it. At the beginning of his tenure, the graduation rate was 55%. When he left, it was 57 When Evans won the mayoral primary in June, a lot of people were surprised, but not those closest to him. I'm not surprised. That's my reaction. Um... My father and mother wouldn't be surprised. Lashara Evans is his younger sister and principal of Flower City School number 54. When he was in first grade, he said he was going to be the president of the United States. He laughs and I'll say, I don't want to be the president, but um, we knew that he would always go into politics. 
Like her brother, she credits their parents for the success she and her siblings have found. And now, Malik Evans has a family of his own. The mayor-to-be lives in the Cobbs Hill neighborhood with his wife, Shawanda, and their two boys, Cameron and Carter, where they find time to play the now-vintage video games of his youth and more modern games in NBA 2K or Madden. Now, now that is a great escape, because you're really not thinking about anything there. And that, that's probably one of the best escapes I have, is, 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 is my kids, you know, bragging, talking junk. On the campaign trail, Evans repeatedly promised a transparent and inclusive administration without ego. He said he wants to inspire not only his city, but his children. I want them to know that their father did everything that he could do to not only provide for them to make sure that they are strong men so that they can provide for their family, but that I also didn't forget about the larger community. Evans says his job as mayor would be to pull together the city to tackle its challenges. After years in politics and public service with more ahead, Evans waxes philosophical about his view of government. You know, when you think about the planet, right, and that sounds esoteric, but the planet is billions of years old. All of us are but a speck in that span of the billion years that the Earth is here. So what difference will you make? And I always tell people on my tombstone, I wanted to say, you know what, he tried. Gino Finelli is a reporter for City Magazine. His full profile on Malik Evans is available in this month's print edition, and you can also read it on their website, rockcitynews.org. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI, and if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson, that's me, on the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. Here's another thing happening this week. Audiences in Kilburn Hall will see a piano played in truly weird ways in a double bill of American operas at the Eastman School of Music. The piano is the centerpiece of Here Be Sirens by Kate Sopper. Brenda Tremblay is WXXI Classical's morning host and producer. She's also a volunteer with Eastman Opera, and she went to find out how the singers are learning to play the piano in ways they never dreamed of. She has this story. Recently, I took the elevator to the top floor of the Eastman School's classroom building and watched a big black grand piano being assailed. Yeah, so we have a timpani mallet um, that we pound on the strings. Three women danced around the instrument, banging on it with rocks, stroking it with picks, and scraping it with metal sheets. That's so creepy. (laughs) The piano's lid was completely removed, so the insides are exposed. At one point, the women pulled horsehair against the strings inside, playing them like a cello. It's funny, I don't think I've ever really understood the true mechanisms of a piano until the entire lid was taken off. Alexandra Rose Hutz, who does play the piano in the, well, more traditional method, is one of three sopranos learning to manipulate it in new ways. Because at first I think we were all really gentle with the piano because we didn't want to um, ruin it. And then we were, we were promptly reminded that this piano we are allowed to, uh, uh, I don't know, mess with more than we normally would. 
She's playing one of the sirens in a suite based on a 2014 opera by Kate Soper called Here Be Sirens. As you may recall, they're the mythological creatures who lure sailors to the rocks with songs and then promptly kill them. Lindsay Warren Baker is the stage director. What is this cycle of a day in the life of the sirens? What is it to be a siren? What is this existence? And so we get to witness this ritual of the siren's life and the, the music, the song that drives, I'd say, their intention for being and what they do. The sirens have different personalities. There's Patho, who's actually in love with every sailor who washes up. Polixo, who's trying to wrap her brain around their weird existence. And Faino, who's more robotic about it, played by Huts. She's the oldest siren, maybe the most grounded, um, perhaps sometimes comes off as the most bored. <laughs> she's not actually bored, but she's, you know, been doing this for years and years and years and years. In the opera, the sirens start to become self-aware. They're on an island surrounded by books, and as they read accounts of themselves, they start to wake up to the fact that they're trapped in a nightmare. Libby Clark sings the role of Patho. Uh, It it plays into some of the ways that femininity can trap women, um, and the way that the world views women in general can trap us in these stereotypes and in these ways we have to behave. And so I think it's really cool to see three women behaving in very, like, atypical ways um, and really kind of breaking the mold of what's expected. For Hutz, playing a siren has opened her eyes to what relationships among women can be like. To me, it's it's sisterhood. I think that's what we've developed. Um, that's what we've talked about, that the three of us are connected in a way that maybe we're trapped, maybe we are forced to continue to do, it, to do these things, but we're in it together and that sirens don't have to be that classic, you know, Ariel-esque mermaid. They can be something more powerful and more connected than, than what we've traditionally thought. Brenda Tremblay is WXXI Classical's morning host and producer. You've been listening to Earshot from WXXI News. If you have any thoughts or feelings about the show, shoot us an email at earshot at wxxi.org and keep spreading the word about us. Find more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions, Pottington Bear, and The Sirens of Kilburn Hall. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.